Hi all, welcome back to Down to Brown. And in fact, I won't be saying this for a few weeks because this is the wrap of the first half for part one of 2021. And of course, I'm just talking about the episodes of our podcast, but we are well beyond the first half of the actual calendar year. And holy shit, has it felt like a whirlwind. I don't know about you guys, but I tend to feel very validated by memes and the memes out there, word on the street is a lot of people are feeling a shock that there are only four months until the end of the year and 2022 arriving. So in retrospect, it has been a wild, almost two years that we are experiencing in our lives, no matter what age you are. And so I want to say an enormous thank you for anyone who has been listening to these conversations, for anyone who has been following our page, engaging in the content. I truly cannot thank you enough. This was something that was so important to me to start this podcast for not only myself, but for a community of brown women and allies to get together and honestly just talk through things that we work on, struggle with, celebrate about our identities. Because a lot of us growing up in America, and you don't have to be South Asian to identify with this at all, but a lot of us are trying to figure out our multiple identities that we've either been given, that we have discovered, that we want to identify with. And it's all at once where these usually collide. And we do sometimes get mixed messages in this country on whether this is celebrated, where it is truly inclusive, where there is space to be diverse, etc. So thank you for sorting through this shit with me and continuing to. I cannot tell you enough how special this community and these conversations, the guests, this podcast is to me. So thank you for listening to my feelings, hopes, and dreams. And as we wrap part one of 2021, I could not think of anyone better than Sabrina Molu to bring us home. The reason being is I feel like Sabrina is a rare corner of the internet. Her Instagram page and her lifestyle blog, Hey Simply, this is also her company, but she's a rare corner in the internet that is positive that I feel like I can trust. She is someone who's built credibility really effortlessly with her readers. She thinks about in a world where people are posting and maybe sometimes to the point where it's a little trigger happy to post, um, whether it's a tweet or a photo, video, whatever it is, she really thinks about what she's putting out there to make sure that it's valuable for whoever's on the other end of it. And that is something that is Priceless. You can definitely tell the difference when you're following a page where they think about what they're putting out and the difference between one that does not. And so that is something that is not only incredible in general, but I also appreciate that as a brown woman who has not seen a lot of this type of representation in the blogger space, that there is someone out there who I can truly trust to basically make the decision for me so that all I have to do is buy it or try it. That being said, Sabrina is also incredibly hardworking, incredibly committed, very professional, and so kind. I really cannot emphasize enough, if she comes across genuine and sincere, it's because she is. 
And she's not trying to be anyway. That is just who she is as a person. In fact, this recording messed up a couple of times. We recorded this episode a few weeks ago and the audio glitch happened in such a way that her voice didn't record. So no one wants to hear just me talk and we decided to revisit it. She could have easily been like, girl, you lost your chance. But she was so patient and she did this with me again um, and brought so many more new insights and thoughts to the conversation. I truly am such a fangirl. I was already before, but especially after talking to her and getting to know her a little bit, I think Sabrina Molo is one of my favorite people on the internet and someone that I really enjoy and appreciate their influence in the home, lifestyle, fashion, body, makeup space. That being said, let's meet her. Hey, Sabrina, thank you so much for being on Down to Brown today. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you have been such a pleasure to work with, by the way. We have not had one but two mishaps now. So thank you so much for your patience, too. That's okay. I understand things happen. Oh, you're the best. So I would love to start off with your fabulous weekend. Um, I saw that you're at I among all the people who are following your page, saw that you were at a wedding this weekend. Yeah, my best friend got married. Um, so she was a bridesmaid at my wedding, my college roommate, and um, she got married to our friend who was a groomsman at our wedding, also close friends from college. So we've just been friends for you know over 10 years and being able to just experience their weekend with them. It was awesome. It was exhausting. I like literally felt like I was getting married again because I was so tired um, <laughs> just from all the like call times and hair and makeup and the photography, like just getting everything together. But I wouldn't have had it any other way. Being there for her was like the best thing I could have done with my weekend. I was so happy the whole time. I can't, I can't even imagine. I think it's, it's one of those things like it's a blast, but also it's a ton of work when you're doing all of that. Also being there for your friend and also the photos and whatnot, like every, I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is actually, I can see why models get paid what they do. (laughs) Yeah, no, it was crazy. But I think like you're running on that adrenaline and then like Sunday kicked around and my husband and I just like both slept all day, like just fully zombies, like got up, took a shower, went back to sleep, woke up, ate, went back to sleep, like could not (laughs) function. It was so much. But it was fun. Yes. I I just watched a movie, um, Brittany Runs a Marathon. And oh, I haven't seen it. It's really good. Um, it's it's just sort of sweet and simple, but it has the whole marathon piece in New York. And I was like, damn, some of this, I know it's not the same. I'm not taking away from marathon runners, but sometimes Indian weddings feel like this. Where yeah. like nonstop training and then you just crash. Yeah. And people like, I literally had to like send messages to like my brand partners who I have active campaigns with and just be like, Hey, I'm like in a wedding this weekend. And I have to clarify and be like, I'm in a three day long Indian wedding this weekend. So like, I will not have access to my phone, my email, my computer. Like I'm not responding to anything for over the weekend, like for three days, like just want to level set expectations. (laughs) Cause it's not like a, Oh, six o'clock cocktail hour, seven o'clock reception. We're home by midnight. Like that's not, not how Goes. I need to block a week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So to get the conversation started, one thing that I love to ground us in is asking the question of where in the South Asian experience you identify with. So if I asked you that, what would your answer be? 
So my mom was originally born in Karachi, Pakistan, and my dad is from Mumbai, India. That's where he was born. Um, they actually met in Pakistan. My dad moved there later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where they met and they got married and then they immigrated here in uh, 1985. And so I, they were living in the U.S. Um, and I live in Atlanta. So I just I feel like I embody South Asian as the philosophy. It's like very hard to just roll off the tongue and be like, I'm half Indian and half Pakistani. Uh, yeah. I just consider myself South Asian. Of course. Yeah. That may, and as you should, um, they're both part of it. And also American South too. So we got a lot of South going on. Yeah. Growing up in the Desi community, did you ever have any interesting conversations about being both Pakistani and Indian, especially because, you know, growing up, you're also aware of some of the tension between the countries? Um, I mean, the only thing that like came up often was like, oh, like you're not going to be able to visit like certain countries because like your dad, like my mom has a Pakistani passport. And so like, you're, even though my dad is from India, they're like, oh, well, you're not going to be able to like visit India. And like those like jokes, not so jokes were like the stuff that came up oh, a lot. But yeah. otherwise, like I, I'm, I'm a smiley and both of my parents um, are a smiley. So that feels like a very grounding common aspect. We have a lot of friends who are completely Indian. We have a lot of friends who, um, whose parents origin is from Africa. So there's a big community of like international culture and it feels like being part of the same religious community kind Mm -hmm. of brings people together more than like the countries that their parents were born and separates them. Absolutely. I think that conversation is taking place increasingly of teasing that difference of identifying with the country you're from or the religion you're from, right? And so that can dictate so much of your cultural experience. Um, and so I think it's super fascinating to see how that the religious aspect help you also connect with both sides um, or not. And yeah, so absolutely. when you talk about your wedding, like that you mentioned that you were kind of reliving your wedding, how did that look differently for you having those shared identities and depending on um, your husband's identity? Yeah. So my husband's both my my both of my in-laws were um, born in Pakistan. So my husband's 100% Pakistani, but like I said, we're smiley. So a lot of the cultural traditions are very similar. Um, that being said, being like a modern day couple, we just kind of decided that we were going to combine or omit or embrace certain aspects of the wedding traditions that we liked or didn't like. And we wanted to add our own. Um, I always dreamed of walking down the aisle in a white dress. So after we did our nikah ceremony um, in the Jamaat Khana in the morning, um, in the afternoon, we did a like white dress ceremony where everyone wore like, you know, black tie and you know our bridesmaids were in gowns and our groomsmen were in tuxedos and we walked down the aisle and we had my brother-in-law was the one who um, got ordained and we got like you know had like a wedding ceremony and that went straight into the reception and so it was just something that I we always wanted and conversely we opted not to do um, the kind of the final day of the wedding for us is called a satara um, and a lot of cultures is called like a vidai or a valima uh, but basically kind of we're like the girl says goodbye to her family and it's like very dramatic and everyone's crying. And I was just like, 
I'm going to veto this. Like I, there's no reason for us to everyone to be like crying. Like it's very unnecessary. I'm moving yeah. 15 minutes away. He is also moving 15 minutes away. Like I just didn't like the idea of being like, I'm saying goodbye to my family. And like my husband walks out with me and like, no, like, you know, my parents got a son, my husband's family got a daughter and we were going to embrace that part of it. So like yeah. I said, we kind of just made it our own. Yes. I feel like this is something that a lot of South Asian folks are either thinking through for their own weddings or in the future, because so much of our experience now is sort of fusion-y and you have to decide what's best for you and what actually feels relevant. So to your point, like also, I don't know, like, I feel like it's probably a happy thing that you married your husband and you probably wanted to marry him. And so why would you be crying? Right. Um, Yeah. yeah, I think these things like we have to really question sometimes, which is also the whole purpose of this you know, podcast and a lot of our journeys right now as people with uh, shared identities. And so one thing that I also like, you know, of course, that brings me to why I'm talking to you is a I think I am such a huge fan of your work. I rarely ever follow influencers on Instagram because I feel like sometimes it gives me that whole like comparison or like, yeah. you know, I don't look like that or, you know, that whole piece that you have to protect your mental peace. And so I yes, really absolutely. Do. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. Right. And I remember finding you and even my friends were like, oh, I think you're going to like her specifically. And I did because I feel like there's just such sincerity behind the content. And this is something that we need more and more is this representation in this space But also it wasn't just me. Like when I posted that I'm talking to you, I had quite a few messages come in saying like, oh, I love Sabrina. She's so genuine. She's one of the most genuine people out there online. And so this is, of course, kudos to you. I'm not just, you know, buttering you you (laughs) up or sucking Thank you. No, that means that's like the biggest compliment. That means so much. Yeah, I hope so. Because clearly your work is impacting some people in a way that's so positive. And so how do you, do you feel like this is something that you set out with that intention of like, I'm going to be the genuine influencer out there? Like, how do you feel like your approach to your work is translating in that way? So for me, I really feel like, um, because I'm running this as a multi, like an omni-channel presence of a complete brand, it has to be a certain level of being, I mean, it's a business, right? So like if things have to be planned and then some things have to happen with spontaneity, right? So Mm -hmm. for me, I feel like this brand is an evolution of like who I am as a person. So things like the blog and graphics and every week we do like a Simply Six, which is like our roundup of our top six bestsellers, like stuff like that is planned with my team. When it comes to things like Instagram stories, which I feel like is kind of the behind the curtain as to like what's going on in this person's life, that's where you really get like a hands-on on grasp of who this person is, what they're doing and what their life looks like. And for me, that's very um, uncurated, mostly because I can't, like I don't have the capacity to curate everything and plan everything. Um, that, that being said, I think even if you have somebody who's posting a ton, the max you're getting is like 24 minutes out of 20, someone's 24 hours in their day. Right. So it's very important to take everything that you see with like a grain of salt and know that what, no matter whether it's curated or not, what anybody is choosing to show is what they're choosing to show. So for me, it's very much like little glimpse and aspects into my life. Like there are certain days where I am go, go, go. And I'm so busy. And I like to show 
the business part of what I do because I think it's important to show that even though things look really easy, they're not always done so simple, right? When you're running your own business and you're an entrepreneur, there's so many aspects that are unglamorous. And I like to show those pieces when I can. And then some days I have rest days that are more rooted in like cute, cuddly pictures of Theo and like the new TV shows that I'm watching. And I like to show that too. So for me, it's just a very um, real time kind of decision on like, do I want to show this? And do I feel like this helps, you know, correlate to like who I am? So my audience finds relatability. Do I feel like this is valuable, right? Even if it's not like something that's groundbreaking, right? Like I remember posting when um, I saw that like Hasan Minaj had decided to come to Atlanta, which I was so upset about the first time when Mm -hmm. he launched his tour that he like had didn't have Atlanta dates. So when I saw that he had come to Atlanta, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is, this is valuable information because yeah. I would find this valuable. And so it's stuff like that, right? It's not always like curated perfect. I feel like it's just tidbits of like what I'm looking at, what I'm finding, what I'm seeing that's interesting. And I like to share that with people because it's who I am as a person. And, and I think that's important to share. Absolutely. And I think people can feel that from my take and from the folks that I saw like are huge fans of yours is that it seems like there is a full spectrum and less of a, if even though you're choosing to show, it does come across genuine though, that it's not this whole staged production where I'm like, okay, well, if she's coming, then I, I'm seeing five filters. I'm seeing this, like I have to see the real Sabrina (laughs) and she's showing me how something looks from morning to evening which is so yeah. real, right? So. I'm, yeah, I'm like, I mean, I know this is like a tangent, but like, let's talk about the filters for a second. Like, yes. <laughs> I'm all about like, if you want to use a filter for fun, like I loved the like Snapchat doggy filter because nobody thought you actually look like a dog, right? Yes. But like now the like amount of like, I feel like people feel like they can't come on stories or show their face or do anything without a filter on. And it Mm -hmm. makes me so upset. And then like the people who are like, oh, apologize for my appearance. It's like Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. And I'm like, no, you're a normal person. You look like a normal person. And like as much, I feel like we've made so much progress in the evolution of like, being real people and real beauty standards, especially with like COVID, like we all started embracing more of our like natural, like brow shapes. We started appreciating more like Mm -hmm. freckles are back. Like we started doing tinted moisturizers instead of heavy foundations. And now these filters are making it so that like people are considering like, you know, wearing colored contacts again. And they're doing like, you know, oh, I should get like a nose job or my chin looks more chiseled like this. Like it's my pet peeve in general when people use it, but like, I'm also like, whatever, if it makes you happy, it makes you happy. Like do would do you, but like, do not ever talk or show about any type of beauty product with a filter on your face. Like it makes me so upset when people do that. And I <laughs> am like on this like solo mission to like show, I'm glad you noticed that I don't use them because I don't ever want to like be the like filter police and like tell anybody else what to do. I'm very much like, I'm going to stay in my lane and that's my focus. But like, I really wish more people would understand how detrimental it is to always show filters on your face. When you have a platform, you have a responsibility. And with that comes, especially when you're talking about any type of products and how they show on your face, like do not use a filter. Like it's incredibly misleading. I can't tell you how many contracts I have that literally have it written in that like, you will not use any filters when Mm. showcasing this product. Like, how is that not common sense? 
Okay, I'm done. I'm totally. off my pedestal. I just had to share. I like I I can't with the filters. Like guys, we're regular yeah. people. We no, look I'm like so regular glad. people. I'm That's so a good glad thing. you brought that up because in some ways I feel like we have made progress in terms of embracing some of our beauty with all those challenges that especially growing up in America we deal with as brown women where you feel like oh there's this pressure to look this certain way or like maybe the white standard of beauty mainstream and it sort of feels like we achieve that with makeup on but not necessarily with makeup off and so I say that because once you put the filter on it's either you look like Charlize Theron who is beautiful in her own right but I'm not Charlize Theron as a brown woman or Kim Kardashian and I feel like then like have we really made that progress if we can't also show ourselves you know, bringing this back to our brown community of like, we can't show ourselves if we're not wearing makeup because then we're like, oh, but my dark circles or my pigment, like pigmentation, my eyebrows aren't done. Who cares? Like that is all part of that journey to be able to become more secure with yourself, right? And so sometimes I agree, filters are really fun to use sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, like I have purple hair. Um, But at the same time, you know, it can be very damaging and you shouldn't be able to look like someone that you're not. Yeah. I just feel like unless you're like using them with like a clear disclaimer of like, let's play with filters, like don't like I, I just think as someone with a platform, you have a responsibility to like, you have more credibility when you show how great a product works or how like, you know, I was done up for these weddings and people are like, oh my God, you look so good. And like, yeah, because I like spent time on my hair and makeup. Yeah. Like I don't look like that normally. And nobody thinks that I look like that normally because I like to show what I normally look like as well. And so I just feel like it adds it adds credibility when you're more transparent about who you are and what you look like. And it takes away from that when you're so embraced in like filter culture that you don't feel, it's almost like a cycle. Like you don't feel like you can look like yourself without it. Yes. And to give people credit, I think we're starting to now question the notion of like, am I, we're, we're t- typically now questioning the content we consume, right? And challenging a little bit more than we used to. Even yeah. now when I see like a makeup commercial on the TV, which seems so foreign nowadays because most ads are on like Instagram or Facebook. But um, I see something and I'm like, well, this chick is showing me a Neutrogena product, but she has foundation on. So do I really trust the fact that this like mask works? One thing I was wondering is, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but I remember when I grew, uh, I went to Atlanta for a couple of years, I really challenged some of my notions of beauty because I was finally in a place where people looked more like me. And we know that it's very um, minority majority in Atlanta. And so I'm curious growing up in Atlanta, how did that maybe, if you think about maybe your peers who might've grown up in other cities, How do you think that could have uniquely shaped you in terms of your relationship with your body, your looks, your brownness? Yeah, I wish I could say that it did a lot for me, but I, so like pros and cons. So like, to be fair, I grew up in the suburbs. So like I was in a Northeast suburb of Atlanta that was not a minority majority school system. And so I did have diversity and I did have a lot of different people, but as far as like being raised in like the two thousands, like we're all watching like Lizzie McGuire and have like 
butterfly clips in our hair and wear yeah. like a ton of makeup. Like I wore green colored contacts in high school and middle school. Cause I thought that like, that's what I needed to be pretty. And so it wasn't like a, I didn't see the like huge evolution of like the standard of beauty um, living where I lived. I think I had a very similar experience to a lot of people who um, also grew up in like different suburban cities around the country. So I wish I could say it did more for me, but I, I think I had a very similar experience, although I probably saw a little bit more diversity just because of like the general nature of where I lived. And I had classmates who were black and who were Asian and who were different types of ethnicity. That wasn't the only brown person in my entire school. Um, but I also like the notion and the standard of beauty centrally, not only in my personal school, but also just like across the board on commercials and billboards, uh, models, like what we saw was this very like Anglo-Saxon, you know, tall, thin, white, person. Mm -hmm. And I think that like that was embodied in like my day-to-day experience as well. That makes sense. I mean, it's still, it's, it's a good like humbling reminder for me that like, even though like, of course there is more in like Atlanta, but presence of diverse populations, especially like, I mean, Georgia itself has still some challenges, I think, in um, finding that balance between inclusion versus diversity only. Um, and so that makes total sense, especially growing up. And, you know, it, it, I can't help but wonder if you are now in a field and a business where you are putting yourself out constantly, right? Like your body, your face, your skin tone, how you sound, how you look, how you, it is all very much something that we can look up on a computer or your Instagram and on our phones. So how do you deal with being so publicly out there, like, especially in a world where we're kind of aware of people having like feedback on us, like sometimes that's super mean. Um, and also just being comfortable with like those days where you might not feel super secure about yourself. Like I I'm always fascinated with folks who are so public facing how they experience because you're human and you probably do have those issues too. Yeah, of course. And I I think it would be silly to say that I didn't. Like, I think every person, you know, you wake up in the morning one day and you're like, oh my God, what's going on with my eyebrows? And then like by the end of the night, you're like, oh, my eyebrows look great. Like it's, it's normal. Like we all feel those, those things every day. Um, I think I just want to go back and say like, well, anyone can try to be as like real and relatable as possible. Like just know that like you're literally only getting a chunk out of somebody's day and whatever you are seeing, it's what they choose to show and the narrative that they choose to share. So whether that's like more pulled back behind the curtain or something that's very curated, it's still a decision that the creator is making to share those bits and pieces. For me, the mindfulness of like sharing things that I'm comfortable with as far as like what I'm putting on my face or what I'm putting on my body or like if I decided to work out today or what I decided to eat, those are all kind of just bits and pieces that I decide if I think that they're valuable to share. If I've tried a good recipe and it worked out or if it didn't work out, those are all things that I think I kind of decide in a spontaneous moment or or have kind of planned to share with my audience. Um, aside from that, I feel like when you mentioned the feedback and like, you know, people having something to say, I would like to say that I'm like very, very lucky. I am like, I'd say 99% of my, um, readers of my followers of the people who decide to interact with me, they are so positive. Like the amount of like 
I get like maybe one random troll a month that will show up in like my separate inbox with like, I basically have a rule that like, if you don't have a profile picture, I'm just like not even reading your message. Like, we're, yeah. like that's not, it's not even like worth my time. And aside from that, like it's such a positive environment. And I know that there's a lot of creators that deal with a lot of negativity. For me, it's like a, it's like a block and move on. Like I don't have the bandwidth to like, try to deal with your negativity or to justify myself in any way. So we're just going to like move on with it and not make it a, not make it a thing and, and not let that kind of infringe on my mental health and my public space. I am so glad to hear that because I completely agree. There has to be some really strict boundary because otherwise you just go down this hole that also the fact that someone is taking the time to say something negative to me is a little bit like, you don't have to follow the account, you know, like just yeah. then don't bother. Like it's fine. But you taking the time to do this, that's just very not a nice person. Um, but I'm glad you said that because even like myself, like I'm taking notes as someone who's like mentor me, Sabrina, as I'm like <laughs> listening to you. It's like in down to Brown, I feel like so far I've been lucky that it's been a very positive, productive space. And you know, the only time I saw some of the kind of constructive stuff come out is to be fair, a very like I kind of took a hot take on like bohemian or culture, like Indian culture. Like that's one of my yeah. pet peeves is when we generalize things that belong to countries, not just South Asia, right? Like, but they just call it boho. And right. my point is take the time to just learn where it's from, give it the credit it's due, maybe the money where it belongs. And so um, that was very controversial, but so far I've been like, you know, it's, it's not my face or something. Right. But I'm sure right. someday someone will say like, you don't belong here or something. And I'm like, how do you deal with that type of negativity? Cause that's just mean. Yeah. I mean, and I'm not going to say that I've never gotten it. And I definitely see from my peers, like the level of what people, some people say, um, it's just, it's literally like a block and move on. Like you just have, you cannot, cannot let it infringe on your mental health because you will out of like a hundred nice comments you'll get like or a thousand nice comments you'll get one like random rude person and you'll harp on that one comment because like that's who we are and that's our nature as people and so you just have to like block it delete it out of sight out of mind that person is no longer allowed to like comment on your stuff if they didn't have the uh, ability to you know unfollow you then you'll go ahead and block that again because it's done and it's over we just out of sight, out of mind. Absolutely. Um, you just really got to keep your peace. However you need to do that. Instagram is doing a much better job of like blocking accounts, blocking, like, you know, you can now, if you block someone, you can block them and any other accounts that yes. they create from, I'm part of like a incubator program within Instagram. And they just posted uh, for creators about having like limits on like warnings for if people say things that are offensive. Um, but it's, like I said, like for me, I feel so, so lucky. Like my community is so positive. Everyone has just been, it's like, I would say like 99.9%. Like I, I barely get anything. And my like new pet peeve, which is like the smallest pet peeve. This is like like first world problems of creators that like don't get, (laughs) like that don't get bullied. Like I feel so lucky. Like people will like message me and be like, where is this from? And like, where is this? And what is this? And I'm like, can you start and say hi? Like, can you like start your message and be like, hi there. Like, do you, would you mind sharing or like take two hours to not like demand to ask. And it's not that they're actually like yelling at me or demanding. It's just that when you're reading so many messages, it gets very, I try so hard to respond. It gets very 
difficult to just read like, where is this? Where is this? Where is this? Where is this? When like someone doesn't, they've never messaged you before. They don't have a relationship with you. And for me to take time out of my day, I feel like they should like, just like, it doesn't matter what the greeting is, just like say anything, like say hi, say, do you mind? Or when you get a moment, like those are things that I think are valued. But again, like in the grand scheme of things, I realize that's very small. Um, I think but, that's you know, a fair point. Common, I mean, like courtesy. Yeah, I think this is something that, you know, we're living in a new space where we're sort of democratizing business information. And what I mean by that is it's no longer we're following, let's say, Forever 21. I don't know why that was the first one that popped up in my head. Um, I'm still 13, apparently. (laughs) um, And then you get like something and you can DM them. But now there's a human behind a lot of these influencer or like if you were someone who's a blogger or you have a person, a human behind that account. And that is why the creator space is becoming so fascinating to so many. I mean, forget people, like even organizations, like there's a whole economy of creators now. And thank God, because we see more representation this way. There's so many benefits. But also I think people are forgetting that there is a human being behind that creator account. And you have to be mindful of that. And hopefully the plus of the creator space growing is that people also understand that there is a reclaiming of kindness in the space of the internet. Like it's no longer just a bot or something, you know, superficial out there. So I'm glad you flagged that because I think it's a good reminder for everyone that we're not entitled to anyone's like time um, information. You know, you even, you know, we were talking earlier about like you showcasing kind of the, moments in your day and trying to be as real as possible like we're still like we're not entitled to that like it's a privilege to right. have that information in someone's life so follow don't follow like that's a decision you can make too right exactly I can't tell you how many messages I got over the weekend of people being like where the bridesmaids link us from and like like share where the like where is this bride's outfit from and I'm like I'm literally in the wedding like I'm not gonna like walk up to her and be like, hey, uh, people are asking where, like, like it's just such, and I know it's like, that's may not, maybe they maybe didn't mean like this very minute, but like, you could also just be like, hey, when you get a chance, it would be like, you know, if you don't mind, whatever, like, could you share? And so I like, just after like the 50th message, I just had to like post something that was like, guys, I'm like literally in the wedding, but like, I see you, I hear you. I will ask if she wants to share that information. And if she does, and she recommends them, then I'm happy to share it. I'm not like gatekeeping by any means, but like, it's also like not my position to share that information, right? Like I need to be respectful of somebody who did a lot of like planning and and Mm -hmm. scouting to like decide if she wants her custom one of a kind designer outfit shared, like that's her decision. And so there needs to be a conversation that's had before that information is shared. And I'm like, we got to understand that like, there are limits to the amount of information that we are all privy to. Absolutely. So, you know, knowing how much of a challenging space this can be too, in addition to all the joy behind it, how did you decide like, this is what I want to do with my life? Um, so I didn't um, in the beginning. I mean, I think it was for me, this started as a hobby. I was a very heavy consumer of the blogosphere and I decided back in college that I didn't see anybody who looked and sounded um, like me, whether that was like my body shape or the fact that I was petite or even a college student who like didn't have a lot of money or someone who was brown. And so I decided to be a voice in the space that I felt was underrepresented. And as I kind of grew up in the last 10 years, I've 
evolved. I like obviously had career changes. I had to come up with career wardrobes. I, um, you know, moved out of my house. I had to figure out how to like furnish a house. I got married. I had so many life events and my readers and my followers and people who were, have been around since the beginning or even have joined along the journey have been able to see those different aspects of my life and my brand evolve and grow, you know, accordingly. So for me, even when I just, I was in a position where in like 2017, I had been doing this for about, um, I've been doing this for about seven years, but like really, really heavily, I kind of decided to like set financial goals, create plans back in like 2013. So I was about four years into like figuring out, like I was paying taxes and I was like working. I got to a point where I was like working two full jobs. Like I truly felt like I was working two full jobs. And from 2017 to 2019, I was like, okay, I know I want to try to do this full time at some point. I just don't know what that's going to look like for me. And then like the burnout started to happen. Like I would literally work my like nine to five and then I would work like a six to midnight. And it was just becoming, and every weekend I was shooting and filming, it was becoming so overwhelming. And then I got a really good opportunity where my company got bought out in 2019 um, for me to get like a really generous severance package. And I took it and I knew that it was a sign for me to kind of decide if I, this is what I was going to do full time. So I gave myself six months and I, as much as I like was the like type A in me wanted to like go out and find another job and get another offer and like, you know, like move on to the next. I was very, like my husband kept being like, you're not interviewing, you're not doing this. I need you to focus, like get, like start making plans, figure out how your days are going to look. Like this is what you need to spend your time on. If in six months you want to go back to the workforce, that's okay. But like, we're going to give this six months. Um, And so, and so we did. And after those six months, like, I mean, it was such a, such a high and low, like two months. And I was like, I need a job four months. in, I was like, this is great. Five months. And I was like, I need a job. Like it was so much like back and forth, (laughs) but truly like after those six months and getting my bearings of like working from home full time and managing my own time and figuring out opportunities and how to figure out my team and how to work. I didn't want to go back. And, but it was always this thought in the back of my mind that like, if I was going to take something that I used to do as a hobby, um, even though it was like a very lucrative hobby, it was my release of my like right brain, left brain energy from working in tech all day. Am I going to enjoy it just as much if I do it full time, right? Like, is my creative release going to be as rewarding if there's nothing to release from? And that was a big fear of mine. And that's why I never, I didn't even announce that I had become a full-time blogger until like, I think like almost a year into it because I just never knew if I was going to go back. And I just felt like that was something that I, I didn't want to make like a sweeping declaration and then have to backtrack from it because I really just didn't know I was going to play it by ear. Um, and it wasn't until people were like, are you still working? Like, are you still in tech? Like, are you, you know, like you're doing this all day? Like, are, you know, how is your, how are you doing this? And that's when like, I think literally like a year later, I was like, yeah, I like made the, made the jump last year, but it, it just, right. it wasn't something that I, I was sure of. And so I wanted to leave that opportunity and that door open for me. Yeah, that's a very 
real and conscious way of approaching that because I think that's something we can easily after the fact glamorize right like entrepreneurs who take that chance now they're running their own business and of course it's really exciting in so many ways but there's so much of a sacrifice and risk that you take and not to mention it doesn't mean that you go back to a nine-to-five I'm sure you know I'm preaching to the choir here but like you're probably like yeah, I work more hours maybe even than a nine yeah. to five, but it's my business and there's a different kind of fulfillment there. And so, hello, Theo. Um, Sorry. Don't apologize. It's totally fine. Um, but I'm so glad your husband said what he did because that is so important. I think that's one thing when we're jumping from one thing to the other or taking that shot that's a little risky that sometimes we forget is that, of course, we're human nature is to be going back to a safe, stable place where you feel like you can survive, which might be that nine to five job where you have a stable income. But at the same time, like you have to cut out the distractions if you're going to take that jump. So like, you know, like the concept of like strategic focus, like where you're like, okay, if I keep interviewing while I'm doing this though, it's still tempting to go back to that. So just yeah. don't interview at all. And so I'm just so impressed by how your husband was also able to kind of see that pivotal how critical that like moment was for you to be able to fully dedicate that time um and yeah God, because the hard work <laughs> that you put in like honestly like this is something that when you talked about the the blogger space increasingly becoming popular and not seeing representation like I completely agree like when people were like there's this blog you should check out for like a lookbook of like outfits I was like cool but like no one looks like me I don't have that body type that's not going to look good on me the whole green eyes thing too. That was so real. Like I used to have green contacts too in college. Yeah. And like this guy I remember was like, Oh, I, I thought you had green eyes. Like that's a bummer. And I was like, <laughs> oh, man, this guy had a crush on me, but like it was because of my green eyes. So like, am I really I being seen for who I am? Right. So all these things, I mean, like now looking back, I'm like, gosh, like how much farther would I be along if in my journey with identity, if I had more people like you out there and like, that I was internalizing more than the otherwise. I think that's the goal too, right? Is not only like, are we shaping like future generations? Like I have niece, I have two cousins, one's in college and one uh, just went to high school. She had her first day this week and I like took her back to school shopping and just like, you know, she's like, oh, like I can't not wear glasses. Like, you know, it doesn't look good on me. And I'm like, you can't be hiding behind your glasses. Like you have a beautiful face. And like, here's how we're going to style outfits. And like, you know, she's dipping her toe into makeup. And so I'm like, here's this like tinted like chapstick that's really cute on you. And like, just like trying to teach them that like, you know, embracing these different aspects of beauty are literally just fun ways for you to become more accepting of yourself. Um, and then it's also like, I feel like in the position that I'm in, we're re-educating women that are our age, women that are younger than us, and even women that are older than us about just embracing who they are, right? Like I oftentimes have conversations with women who are, you know, have children who are my age that I'm like, mm, that's not your foundation shade. Like we're not wearing fair to any more women. Like, come on ladies. Like we are, we are loving the melanin in our skin and we are embracing these things. And like, here are product. You don't need to only use this random, you know, product that your, your mom used for like wrinkle, whatever. Like now we're going to talk about retinol and we're going to talk about skincare. And like, yeah. it's, I feel like I'm in such a 
privileged position to share information that I have learned myself, that I've done the research, that I've been educated on. And there is such a vast age uh, range for me to be able to share that information and really add value to people's life. And it's not something that I take lightheartedly. I do believe that there's a big responsibility in the information that I share um, and just making sure that people feel like it's a voice that they know, like, and trust. And that's always kind of been the goal. Absolutely. That is something I really admire about you is the way you think about your brand. So can you share a little bit more about like when you think about Hey Simply and the legacy that you want to have with your brand and company, what is that? I mean, it's really just an evolution of somebody that in something that feels very, um, it feels like something you can rely on. So like the relatability of it, not just that it feels like, oh, this is, you know, made for me, uh, by me type of thing, but more so that like, you know, and trust that there was research done behind this. There was time invested in this. This wasn't something that was just thrown together. And whether that looks like a product line down the future, or if it looks like a blog post that you're reading, this is something that someone has poured their time into in order to make your life more simple. And I want to be that like fairy blog mother that we like use in like our taglines. And like, (laughs) it's literally, it's there for a reason, right? We want to make your life easier. We want you to feel like these are things that you're curious about. And so we did the work for you. Like that is the motto that my team runs by when we talk about, um, you know, whether we're making graphics or we're writing intro paragraphs or we're doing teasers, what is the value? in this and how are we sharing that we've done the work for you that is like the heart and soul of like making sure that every post that we create is relatable and value driven and that's that's what I want it to be it's what we've done so far and that's what I want it to continue to be I can't thank you enough for you know not only approaching it personally but with your team like I think that's something that is so important especially as we talk about like how we're catching up with this increased representation and even what we had described before about like, you know, the space being more dominated by folks who may not look like us or um, have those experiences. Like you have to do all that extra work, right. To then find out. And now with people like with your, whenever you post something or for example, Deepika Mutiala, anytime I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm. she's Telugu, similar shade as me. Like literally anything you guys use, I like copy paste and just like order it. Cause I'm like, I know it works. Like I don't have to worry about it. Like that wash might work on me because it looks great on them. And it's just so freeing, right? Like it's just so much less time that I'm spending on that stuff versus like other, you know, instead of worrying about like, Oh, can I look good for this event? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm going to look fine. I have the foundation that they recommended. It's, it looks good on them. It's going to look good on me. Yeah. And I feel like that time can be used somewhere else to work on whatever other identity issues you're still working through. Yeah. And it's, and it's other things just to like clear. I mean, it's literally the purpose of the blog that started was that like, I'm doing all of this unnecessary research. I'm doing it for me. So mm-hmm. this is giving me a place to share it. And like, like even though there's been so many evolutions of the brand, it started off more fashion focused. It's moved into something a lot more lifestyle and beauty focused, but it like that heart and mission is the same. Like we're doing a lot of work. We're testing a lot of products and reading a lot. I'm having these interviews with dermatologists and talking to nutritionists and I'm getting all this information on topics that I find interesting. And then I'm sharing them to add value to anyone else that might find it interesting. That part of it hasn't changed. 
Absolutely. And one thing that I'm really in, you know, I really am in awe of is the fact that you are very much from what it sounds like a young age, even like as you were leaving college and like your first few jobs, like you believe in your voice. And you had mentioned like, you know, over time I found that I wasn't as passionate about like the pictures of fashion, but like writing about it and using my voice to tell the story about it and like why, you know, it could be useful. And so how, like, I asked this question selfishly because I want to see more creators like yourselves in our community go out there. But if they're being maybe stopped by doubt or that inner saboteur voice, that's like, what you have to say doesn't matter. You know, like other people can do it better. If they're dealing with that, can you help, help us kind of alleviate that by understanding how you found confidence in your own voice and where you got over that fact that like, yeah, my voice is my voice, but maybe there are people who do want to hear it. Yeah. So I can tell you kind of what it looked like for me. I mean, when I started my blog, A, blogs weren't a thing and B, it was something that like people didn't understand because if they weren't reading those like, you know, 50 to 150 blogs written by like white, thin, beautiful women, they didn't even know what this was. It was like an evolution of like a Zanga page with like fashion pictures. So like, it didn't make sense to a lot of people and that's okay. But for me, I knew, and I believed in the fact that I had a voice that it, it mattered for me to share, even if there was nobody else reading it. Right. So for me, it was so interesting because my journey has been so linear, but like in a very slow way, like you look at growth and you think like, Oh, like, Oh, this person is doing really good. And they have this like great income and they've diversified their revenue streams and they have this whole team. But like, when I tell you it has been the longest time coming, like I have been working on something that didn't look like it was going anywhere for years at a time. And so when I, when you get that first like random comment of like 200 followers and someone was like, Oh, cool. I I like this bag too. Or yes. Like, Oh, I read this post and I found it helpful. Or five people say that, or 10 people say that, like it, you have to just like believe that like, even though you don't find your tribe right away, there are going to be people that find a similar voice to you. And I say that because while my, my immediate family was very supportive, like I can't tell you how many close friends I had back in the day, even now that like, they don't read my blog. Like it's, Mm. you have to remember that like your content is not for everyone. Like I'll meet like, like my friend's husband and they're like, Oh, like, you know, she's always like reading your blog. Like, Oh, I'm going to follow you. And I'm like, no, like, please don't like, you don't have to like, you are not my target market. I will not be offended. (laughs) Like you don't need to follow me. And I say that to people all the time because like, you can literally be the like sweetest, juiciest peach in the entire world. And there are still people that just don't like peaches or like aren't interested in peaches. This and that's so okay. Georgia of you, Sabrina. <laughs> it, it is so Georgia of you. But it like doesn't take away from who you are and like yeah. your credibility, right? So like even growing up and building my brand, I was not always surrounded by people immediately because when you start, your audience is your circle. And those may not be your target market. And it to push beyond like the first hundred people that are found out, which is going to be like your first and second degree connections, they may not be your target market. So you won't get that overwhelming feedback and love and support from like all of your friends. And I didn't. 
because, and it wasn't because they were like bad friends or unsupportive. It was just because that wasn't the content that they were looking for. And that's okay. Pushing beyond that circle to the point where you get to the point where other people are discovering your work. That is where you start to build and try to see the return of that value. So I really like, I mean, when I say that consistency and sticking with something works, like if you don't believe in it, there's no one else that's going to believe in it. Like you have to be the one and you can't rely on, even if it's like your mom or your partner or your sister, like don't rely on anyone else to believe in that vision for you and create because you find joy in creating. There's no reason to create because you think that it's going to make you a lot of money or because you think it's lucrative or because you think it's going to like create something down the line. It is so much time and effort and work for you to do maybe for months, maybe for years before you see that. And if you don't have that joy and value in your work, it's going to be really taxing and you'll burn out before you find that value because immediate satisfaction is rare when the market is as saturated as it is for creators. Absolutely. I mean, if I could clap without fucking up the whole like audio, like I would. All right. So before I let you go, Sabrina, I have our trip trip round. And that is just some fun questions to get to know you even more. I'm going to start with um, have five for you and whatever comes first to your mind. Does that sound good? Okay. Yeah, let's do it. (laughs) So if we called this the hot brown girl summer, what do you think is like the hot brown girl summer item that we should be either wearing, putting on our faces, et cetera. If you could only pick one. You know what I'm going to say. I'm going to say sunscreen. Like obviously (laughs) it's the summer of sunscreen. Like we are too far into knowing about our skin and protecting it to not be able to find a sunscreen that you love. Like there's so much evolution. There's no, no white cast mineral sunscreens, There's great chemical sunscreens, whatever you're looking for, find one that you love. The best one is the one that you're going to wear. That's okay. You're being very wise. Um, What is your favorite sunscreen if you had to recommend one? So I recently tried HueGuard from Live Tinted and actually I was very, very impressed. Um, And I'm still testing it, but right before, so one that I'm posting about this week, there is a Biore UV and I think it's like the Korean version of the Biore and I'm linking to it in my Friday favorites um, this week and it's like a blue bottle. It's $11 on Amazon. It is a mineral sunscreen that's literally clear. It feels like water on your skin. It's like a, it's like a watery moisturizer, no smell, no white cast. It's amazing. Oh, thank you for that recommendation. If a celebrity played you in a movie, who would you want that to be? Oh man, I'm like such a big Mindy Kaling fan. Like I would die (laughs) if Mindy Kaling played me. Like if she like was, if she did a cameo in this movie, like I would die. Like I'm such a big Mindy (laughs) Kaling fan. (laughs) I feel like you will have peaked at that point. Yeah, literally. She (laughs) could just like, she could just like be like a, like a random, like cameo. And I would be like life made. Like no one else needs to watch the video, like a movie as long as she was like some part in it. For sure. I feel like at this point, Mindy Kaling can breathe and it's inspirational for us. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Very true. How did you know your husband was the one? Oh my God. Um, you know, we started dating when I was 15 and he was 16 and we never broke up. So I think it was the biggest tell that 
I never felt like I wanted more. Like he never made me feel like I wasn't appreciated or I wasn't loved or I wasn't Mm. uh, pretty or valuable or important or had something um, important to say. I think a lot of times relationships, um, like the spark in relationships can fade. And when we were more than five years, six years, seven years in doing um, different schools, different high schools, different colleges, same colleges, transfer, study abroad. Like when you can make it through all those things and still feel so excited every time you see that person or talk to them on the phone, it never faded. And I felt mm-hmm. like that was the biggest sign. Like relationships are never easy, but it was never hard with him. Yeah. Oh, that's really beautiful. And it's, it's really rare. I think that's why people are like, oh, don't like be tied down in your twenties because they worry that you won't be able to live your life, right? The way you yeah. want to. But if you're able to do both, like that is super yeah. special. I, t- I say that to my girlfriends all the time. Like one of my old interns, um, we're still like super close. She actually came over last night and I tell her thus all the time. I'm like, you need to live your life and like the right person, like stay with them as long as it makes sense. When it stops making sense, that's when you, that's when you're not in the relationship anymore, right? Like mm-hmm. travel, take the new job, do the whole career thing. If that person falls into your life and the values and the goals that you have for yourself, wonderful. If they don't and it's holding you back or you feel like you're not getting to take advantage of opportunities, that's when it stops making sense. So I'll like, incredibly rare it was for us to have this experience. And when I say that, I mean, I truly know how rare it is for us to have this experience. I also feel like it's very, like, I wouldn't recommend anyone else to like turn down opportunities or do certain things just to stay in a relationship. And we'll make sure that you have both of those things. And if it's not, if it's not happening, that it's not the right person or it's not the right time for that relationship. Amen. Last question. You're at a chop stand or food truck. What okay. is your go-to order? Unlimited bunny boy. Yes. Like just keep it coming. Like <laughs> yeah. don't like, it's funny because we'll go to those stands, you know, and like people, you kind of stand there until you eat. And like after like five or seven, like people walk away. I like am always the last one there. And I feel <laughs> like I'm waiting for the second round of people to come and go because I'm still like, hit me again. Like yeah. <laughs> it is my, it's, I love Fanny Boy. I grew up on it. I love the like mix of like the sour and the sweet. Give me all of it. I'm so with you. The crunch, the soft, it's the most yeah. perfect dish I feel like out there. Um, Sabrina, thank you so much. I mean, from Panipuri to building a brand to your lab story, like we've covered so much. I can't thank you enough for spending this time and for such an inspirational and valuable conversation. I appreciate Absolutely. it so much. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and obviously wish you the best of luck with the entire podcast and anything else you do. You're such a natural host. It's really like fun to have conversations with you. Oh, I'm so touched. Thank you. 